is the reason why we exist as a company. I would say the mission to remove as much as nutrients as we can out from the oceans is the thing we're written by ocean. It's doing and it's there for. But this is how we want to make sure that we get the right partners, that we are sharing this same goal and we want to do things, you know, as good as we can. You're listening to Green Business with Impact. Your host is Jasper Steinhausen. Hi and welcome to the podcast. As a regular followers of this, this podcast or all the other stuff that I share will know, I always see resources where most people see waste. And I am a strong advocate of using business as a driver to solve meaningful problems and create value. No wonder I was strongly drawn to today's guest from the first second I stumbled upon. Today you will meet Marie Granslern from the Finnish company Origin by Ocean. She has built a business around what most people view as a giant problem, the increasing amount of algae in the ocean. As an organic chemist and highly influenced in her thinking by her grandmother's perspective on prolonging the life of any material, she now heads a company that with its partners solve multiple problems along the value chain and delivers high-quality, ecological, healthy and oil-free ingredients for everyday consumer products. Marie is the founder and CEO, but actually she prefers her title to be Chief Executive Activist. Orican by Ocean started in 2019 and they are 22 people today and growing. In this episode, you will get a great example of how circular business setup creates multiple wins, but also to some of the challenges that lies in creating such a business setup compared to a regular linear single solution focus. I would like to start with having you unfold a bit about what kind of experience do you have with using circular economy or sustainability in a business setting? Um, we have a lot of experience as Origin Biosyn. I would start maybe with that. Uh, it's a short but very intense experience uh, when you actually take the thinking away from the linear business to a circular business. And I think that that's something how uh, Written by Ocean got started from. From the idea is that how to use, now I'm calling it waste, but how to use a waste environmental problem or something that people don't want to have as a feedstock and then how to turn that into the products and what kind of an impact we have with the products uh, in the market where we go. So I would say that Oritin by Ocean you know, itself uh, has, a, has a very intense uh, four, four years uh, in this circular economy field. But of course, myself, uh, I'm way older than Oritin by Ocean. <laughs> so actually, I come from this type of uh, a linear economy background. Uh, you know, when I was doing my PhD and then when I went to the industry, everything was very linear at the time. There was this term of bioeconomy. Everyone was talking about it in a chemical industry a lot, that the future is bioeconomy, like the future is bio, you know, whatever. But a uh, circular economy concept was not there at the time. So in that sense, um, it's been a privilege to see how the linear has turned into circular and how we are kind of in between these two worlds yet. Of course, depending on the industry and the market uh, where we are acting. How did you end up having this circular mindset that you have today? Where did it start for you? Oh, I would say it's in my, in my DNA. 
Um, I'm always, yeah, I was brought up a circular, <laughs> whatever that means, but, but, uh, but that was something that it came to actually from my grandmother and, uh, just like a basic things in life that how you use resources, materials, things you own more efficiently. And then of course we didn't have the, like the fantasy name of the circular economy and, uh, coming from Finland, of course, my grandmother was born in 1920s and, and, uh, that was very different times, right? Where you had to, you were forced to think circular. There was really, you know, nothing there. And then you have to start to think that how to use everything very efficiently and, and like try to avoid this end of life of the products being rubbish, but more like, okay, end of life means that it will start another life, right? So I was really, really happy. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and uh, and they taught me this thinking is that, you know, the resources are not infinite uh, and we have to make sure that we use everything efficiently. So I, I'm being brought up this way. So I think for me, it's always been, uh, in from many angles, it's been very important to be able to use uh, resources very efficiently. That was the funny thing when I went to the industry uh, after that um, years in, in academia and I realized that no one really thinks in these terms like in everyday you know activities and um, and then of course the business was very very different because you know we were thought that uh, business needs to be done in a certain way in order to be profitable and the only model we knew at the time was linear right you know it was like we have to make more profit and you know more profit on top of the profit and it was very linear thinking and and that that was something that that was a bit shocking uh to realize having said that i think the whole bioeconomy especially in the chemical industry initiated uh this thinking that if you want to go towards bio you need to use biomass as a source there is not a lot of this biomass out there so maybe we have to see that how we can circulate uh, resources more efficiently but uh but yeah it's been inside of me uh, always and uh i'm being like personally and in my personal life uh maybe always uh function that way but marie i think it's it's really a good answer because i sometimes say you know you should find the oldest person you know and talk to them about what was it like when they were in their early part of their their job career whatever they were doing or life simply it just nobody back then had any sort of, well, we just throw it out, right? You would use stuff, you would find new ways of using it. It was a resource until it was absolutely no longer possible to see it and imagine any form of valuable use of such a material. So we have just in the last couple of, of you know generations, we've kind of unlearned what mankind's success formula have been for like 99% of all the time we've been on earth. And, and that's yes. what I think circular economy is. It's actually just reconnecting in an upgraded version to the old success formula for mankind on earth, right? And, and yes, you, that's kind of your experience as well. You've been brought up with it. You have not been polluted, so to speak, with, with modern linear thinking until you reach industry and it's kind of like, what? What's going on? If I look at your company or if somebody comes from the outside and have a look at your company, how would they see that you have this circular thinking? 
in your DNA, in your company? Yeah, I think it first, of course, it happens from the value chain itself. Uh, when you look at our value chain, you look at the feedstock we use, and then you look at the products we are producing, and then how we are utilizing the feedstock 100%. So I think it comes from the value chain. And then, of course, there are different layers that if they were to come to, uh, to Finland to visit our facilities, uh, people will see how we do that in our everyday uh, functions and actions. But that's another story. So if we start from this uh, from this value chain thinking, so we use invasive seaweeds or sustainably farmed seaweeds. We rather use invasive as much as we can, and we only top up with the uh, farmed um, seaweed uh, when we need. Uh, so when we take these invasive uh, guys out from the ocean, we actually remove the nutrients. So the whole story of Origin Bausch started from this idea is that what's the way to remove the nutrients from the ocean in a most efficient way? And then the whole story started from there. Because the problem is that if you look at the situation, for example, in the Caribbean region, where we have 25 million tons of sargassum seaweed blooming every year, it's such a huge amount of material which is lying there and causing also problems in that particular region and area. And uh, and I think it would be waste not to use this material for something useful. Yeah, what kind of problems is that? Just if if the listener is not completely up to speed with that, what kind of problems is it that that this seaweed constitutes today? So there are, of course, a lot of environmental problems and then um, problems for the for the economy of these countries. So if we start with the environmental problems, of course, when you have this amount of biomass lying around, uh, it will start to uh, degrade. And it, you know when it dies, and what happens is that it's taking all the oxygen out from that uh, region. It's killing the fish. It's taking a living space. And, and everything and it's um it's not a it's not a like a tiny thing when you have all these millions of tons of material but it's really really covering a huge area and then if we look at the economical problems most of these islands they are living from the tourism and uh, of course people don't want to come around uh, use beautiful beaches when they are covered with seaweed so that's one of the biggest problems and maybe also a, a bit of a awakening for us that if you put your economy dependent on one particular source and then when something like this happens, the whole thing will collapse. And this is something that we are seeing in this region. So the only reason why these guys are starting to work on this problem is the fact that they try to remove the seaweed, put it somewhere, like hide it somewhere in the landfills so that they get the Americans to come in and enjoy the beautiful... Yeah. It's waste. Let's remove the waste, right? That's the approach. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then this waste is actually now how they do it, is that when they take it out so that the beaches are clean, um, they put it in the landfills. And of course, it's a bad thing to put it in the landfills because it's very salty. And that's why it kills very efficiently all the plants you have in that area. So... It's really, really a big problem. And it's not just in that area, but maybe the reason why I'm using it as an example is that people are now aware because this year was actually the first year when sargassum hit the US coast. And that's why everyone started to talk about that. But I always want to remind people that it's been there more than 10 years. The same problem is happening in Europe now, unfortunately. Uh, this was already said, I think, by the UN 
uh, more than five years ago that it will be spread to Europe as well because we have nutrients all over the place. That's why we are looking at the same problem now in, uh, in Portugal and Spain. And that's very important to utilize this biomass because it would be very sad uh, to regard it as a waste. First of all, you can't really regard it as a waste because if you put it in the landfills, it will give you another problem, right? So we want to use that. And, and the beautiful thing about seaweed is that um, the nature is like the, the best chemist of this world, even though just, you know, we would like to, as a chemist, we would like to consider ourselves next to the God. But, um, but we are very stupid when it comes to the nature. So There's one above <laughs> called nature. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so these, uh, these seaweed species, they contain a lot of very, very interesting chemicals that we could utilize as humans in our products. And, uh, and this is why we see um, these proud seaweed species and cyanobacteria a very, very important feedstock for us that we can really take the, let's say the goodies out and, um, and then put them into the consumer goods. And this way, when you have these bio-based, biodegradable materials in your everyday products, you actually have a huge effect um, what happens to these products when you consider the end of life. So people tend to think that uh, most of the things what we use uh, in our everyday lives, like when you are cleaning your house and showering and uh, doing your laundry and, and all that, that magically like these chemicals uh, would be taken away from the wastewater and then this clean wastewater, you know, will be released to the ocean. It's not true. Like there are, there is no way that these um, wastewater treatment plants are able to take these chemicals out. So that's why it's very important to understand that when we are using detergents, shower gel, shampoos, toothpaste, you know, whatever, um, we have to make sure that the ingredients what we use are not harmful for the environment because they will end up there. And that's why we saw this circularity that we have an effect, not just at one point of the value chain, but actually we spread that let's say, uh, spread a good word, if you like, uh, along the whole value chain. And then, of course, when we have 100% utilization rate of the biomass, uh, we don't want to create waste because it contains a lot of good stuff even after the refinery. And that's why uh, the nutrients are there. So then when we use it as a fertilizer, we can just get the nutrients back to work, so to say. And, uh, and I think that's really a, a big difference is that when people talk about biorefineries, we always have to remember that the biorefinery doesn't mean that you are refining biomass. It means that you have to squeeze as much as value as you can out from the single feedstock and, and really have almost 100% utilization rate. So that's kind of the goal. So that's what I'm always saying, uh, coming from Finland, um, people think that uh, pulp mills are biorefineries they are not biorefineries they are pulp mills and that's like the big difference so we shouldn't confuse these two different worlds i was kind of curious because i mean you basically source all your raw materials in what everybody else calls waste and see as a problem what does that mean to your cost structure what would be your alternative if you were to go and buy this as a competitor would do it with in a linear thinking yeah, I think that the cost structure is something that you always have to keep in mind. And, and many times in this uh, in this kind of a biochemical value chain, uh, that's that's the problem. Because naphtha crude oil 
is cheap. We know, you know, we know the pricing, we can follow the pricing every year. And this doesn't happen in this business because this is completely new. So we don't have a pricing for sargassum seaweed, for example, that I could go every morning and take the, you know, the price of the day, if you like. So that doesn't exist. And that's why we have to be very careful when we are building these supply chains. And and there, I think we come to the fact that we are also looking at different way of building supply chains as we did in the past when the whole oil economy uh, was kind of established that now we have to think that the partners, we, we need partners to do the harvesting and, you know, the collection and, and logistics for us. And they need to be willing to do that with a certain price structure, of course. And that means that we have to make sure that they want to be part of this supply chain. They want to be part of this value chain. And it's way more than just discussing the price. But as it has such a huge effect in that area, and we have to empower the locals to deal with that problem. So we have to be behind the scenes and really empower them to work on this problem. And that's where I see the strength. It comes from the empowerment. And it comes from the fact that we know each other by first names. And we are working on the bigger goal than just for them to take something out from the ocean and getting paid for that. But they have the feeling that I'm doing that because it has an impact on the product level in a consumer market. And I think that's, that's like, that's so empowerful uh, thinking is that we are tackling the one problem together. And then the supply chain is just a name, right? And then you have very different discussions there. And I really hope to be able to keep that type of a mentality when building these things. And of course, so far, many of these players, um, they have started to do that because, first of all, they worry for the oceans. Uh, secondly, they are fishermen. They can't fish because of this massive problem. So that's all an extra income for them. So I think we can also build a lot of new, uh, let's say, a new models, how to earn money in those regions. And I think that's something that we have to we have to think. So that's also a bit of in the circular economy. I can see a lot of new. It's not really a new business model. It's it's an old business model, right? But it's just a new way of thinking how to build a supply chain, for example. This multiple win, right? And I think that's that's something we quite often see. And I think you really, really display beautifully here, right? So there is actually. Well, there's value gained in, in helping the tourist industry. There's value gained in avoiding putting salty nutrients on a landfill and, and destroy that landfill and also actually helping fishermen being able to fish. There's value in, in having the food available and then there's value in extracting from the seaweed what you do. And then there's value in the product you sell. Right, so it's this multiple value approach, whereas in, in the linear, it's it's a lot more simple. And I think that's one of the problems or the challenges for getting the circular business models up and run is they're more complex. But it also means, I think, that they become more resilient because it's not just, let's just imagine that there is a downturn on, on one of these streams, but there's still the other five value streams to help bear it, you know, when we hit stormy waters and we do once in a while and so so there's something interesting in it but it's more complex right? can is that sort of is that a, an accurate way of of concluding on what you just said or 
Absolutely. And I love that. And I want to, because that's, you said it very well, it's very complex. And in this kind of era of humanity, we are living in a world where everything needs to be simple. So it's kind of a, it's a huge contradiction between the men, people want to have everything fast, simple, messages need to be simple, but the problems we are tackling, they require complex structures. And, and that's why I can see that these two worlds don't necessarily understand each other. And then we come to the funding and investments into this thing. People always say that it's very risky if you have too many products, you have too layered business model, the value chain is difficult. Oh my God, you have to build a supply chain. You're dependent on the nature. It's like, what the heck? But that's funny because as you said, that's the whole beauty of it. It's very complex. But the, if you look at the long-term way of functioning, that's actually way more stable than to be, you know, putting your eggs in the one basket when it comes to the feast. Because like, okay, I'm just make a cross now and hope that this, business will survive and now we see this survival mode in many businesses right so for example forest industry people are starting to ask questions you timber too much we don't have the carbon sinks anymore and they have all the eggs in the same basket it's like yeah 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 so yeah it's good we, sh we should use more trees because of mm, and then they don't really know the answer right because they are in this this kind of a a mode of protecting the existing business. The dinosaurs are like trying to stay alive. And uh, and that's why uh, they don't want to understand, oh, it's too complex. I mean, these startups doing these businesses, and oh, they have too many products and they should focus on one. Focusing is good. Focusing is good. Of course it is. But it doesn't mean that you have to kill everything, but you just have to make priorities how you go to the market and stuff. So the the way you think is different. And, uh, and investors, they are really scared to see these complex things. That's also, I, I would say, a challenge of circular economy is that uh, people should start to trust the system, so to speak, that it will fly, but it's just a different way of approaching it. But it also means that, you know, besides building your own business, you actually need to help build other people's businesses as well. And I guess that's where the sort of, as you said, the bigger purpose of the common one thing you are doing that's what you gather around, right? So Patrick could start explaining what is your bigger game and then what what has it meant for you to have it? It's everything for us. It's the reason why we exist as a company. I would say the mission to remove as much as nutrients as we can out from the oceans is the thing we're written by ocean. It's doing and it's there for. So everything what we do, everything uh, how we select our partners, supply chain partners, but also the customers, they go via this filter without them knowing it. But this is how, how we want to make sure that we get the right partners, that we are sharing this same goal, that the goal is there and, uh, and we want to do things, you know, as good as we can and, uh, and that people are willing to stretch their limits in order to maybe have a bit of a new way of, of thinking. So I'm always saying that we are not this type of uh, like Del Monte guys going around and, and like just taking the bananas and pineapples and stuff and then just, you know, giving some money and be like, oh, that's great. So we give you more money so you stay with us. But there is a higher purpose in this thing, what we do. It's not money is there, but as you said, and you said it very well, that we are also having the idea that we are 
building new businesses with us. So many people will crawl together with Oritzin Bausch and are like, we are holding hands and we crawl together. And that's that's the whole idea, that we will help each other with this growth. And that's very different, of course, when you look at the linear uh, businesses that, okay, I need to be the biggest and the most beautiful. And then, you know, I do whatever it takes to protect this status that I have earned. And people really think as something that I have earned a status. And then they try to, you know, maybe a bit like push you know, others away or even kill them if they have to, in order to keep the position that they have earned. Um, but we don't want that. I think it's uh, everyone needs to to be part of that. We are tackling big problems uh, of this world and it needs a lot of very passionate uh, people to, to do that and build new businesses and take the risk. Could you sort of distill, based on your learning, what are the most important elements in the mindset to be able to fit in your ecosystem or to succeed in circular business? I think you have to be a very open-minded person. I think it needs to start from that, that your mind needs to be very open for the things and new ways of seeing things. Um, the other thing is that you have to have a lot of passion. Like you really need to love what you do because otherwise you will get very upset because everyone is telling you no. So you just have to see, like, you have to see this opportunity, um, even though that, that, you know, people will doubt that a lot. Um, I think you have to be a positive person in a way. Uh, it helps a lot on the right that you keep this kind of a positive mode. Uh, dedication is everything. I mean, you have to, you can't be, I'm always saying, like, you can't be 50% pregnant. Either you do it or you don't. So it's, it's something that you really have to, you know, uh, put yourself there and have the dedication to do it. It will take time. Um, so you have to be a bit of a, a patient as well. And it's uh, it's really, really amazing to see that uh, it has worked. So we have kind of filtered people, you know, through that thinking of let's have the attitude first and then they will learn. You could basically say, you know, your HR strategy is aligned with Mother Earth. Period. That's it. Ooh, I love that. I will steal that from you. <laughs> You're free to do that. But, uh, but right, that's it. That's that's how simple it really is. If if you feel yeah, like that's, that's your game, then you want to join Mary and all your all your great co-workers. That's very true. That's very, very true. I'm always saying as well that, that we've been swimming against the current for such a long time. Uh, because I think as a society, we have had this type of uh, a feeling that we need to. But in our case, like we want to turn around and just go with the floor, more or less, that you also need to understand that when you're working with nature, nature is so much cleverer than you. Like, oh my God, don't try to force it to take a certain shape so that it can kind of give you the value. But I see it more than, okay, we have to learn why, you know, it, this big why, and then we just utilize that flow that is giving us uh, as a result. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how I kind of try to see the world. It does. Yeah. I mean, I think to draw on what very often the biomimicry people say, right? You know, it's like uh, your mother earth or ecosystem has... 5 billion years of innovation, right? So this is an R&D department with 5 billion years of experience. No wonder they're a bit ahead of us, right? So we have to just look and learn. And then the what we do 
as just as you said earlier on, really is you know there are really clever ways and chemical compositions in there, and if we can copy that and extract it and put it to work in something else, that's where we sort of add in. That's where mankind's superpower of creativity and, and ability to imagine and collaborate means that we can then take the best recipes, so to speak, coming out of nature and put that to use elsewhere, right? That's where we fit in. Instead of trying to make a superior solution, it's better to just find the best one and copy it and then use the mind to take it to work elsewhere. Beautiful is that. Beautiful is that. Albert Einstein famously said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. So if you want to change your business and make it thrive while making the world a better place, you need to think differently than when running a business in the traditional way. You need the right mindset. With that in place, everything else gets easier. To help you, I've created a simple self-assessment tool for you to score your current mindset and give you inputs on how you can improve it. It's free of charge. It takes less than three minutes to complete and you can access it by going to greenprofit.scoreapp.com. I would like to sort of hone in a little bit about communication because that is, I think, also a critical component of this. So could you share a little bit about what is it that you uh, that you say or what's the learnings that you know, if you were to help somebody else that are looking to go into this or sitting in the middle of this and struggling with it? Is there any tips or tricks or anything you have learned that you could share? Oh, we have learned so much about this communication. Oh my God. So when we started um, to work on a written by ocean concept, um, we wanted to understand, of course, how the whole current system uh, is working, especially in Finland when it comes to utilization of seaweed, uh, farming, all that jazz. So we went to the ministries a lot. We were telling them that, look, you know, we have, and we were so excited, like, we have this great idea and we want to work on that. We have a business model, did it, did it. And everyone was looking at us in a way that you want to do what? And that was something that, that we realized that, right, okay, so we need to work on this word communication. Like we need to, we need to find a way to reach, you know, these people. How do we go from blanks there to, uh, to a bit to, I think I understand what you're saying. Exactly. And this is when we realized that maybe we are not the best people to, to do that. And then we started to work together with different, you know, marketing communication experts that we were telling we are what we do. And then they were challenging that way of saying and trying to open the boxes to us that, okay, maybe we will say this way, maybe we will do it that way so we can just you know, reach people so that they understand. As we discussed before about this complex nature of things, what we do. So we had to simplify that in our communication. And I think that's the, that was the biggest learning we have had is that uh, you also need to make a bit of a compromise when it comes to the communication. And I'm the worst person on that. So that's what I kind of step on the side and I was just trusting the system that, you know, they know what they do. Uh, because as a scientist and as a you know passionate person for this thing, what we do, I always 
the devil is in the details. And I really wanted people to understand all these details because it's very important to understand, right? And they were like, we don't even understand the big pictures or how on earth we can understand the details. And they don't need the details. So I made peace with that. So does that mean you don't, you no longer have five hour sales meetings where you give all the lectures first? Now you actually just talk about the, the, the results yes. side. Exactly. I think that's a good move. Yeah. It's a very good move. And also the fact that uh, raising uh, funding, very important how you talk to investors. So that's, that was a big learning for us as well, is that um, we have to help the investors to understand they are not stupid people. They are very clever people, but they just have a lot of cases on their, you know, on their tables. And, and also the fact that uh, they are not experts in this field, but, but they are very important because they can help you to grow and they have some other expertise that they can bring in. And I think, yeah, just, just on top of that, what you talked about earlier on about complexity, you could say the flip side of complexity is huge opportunity, right? Because you could yeah. say that, well, it's a complex model and you're not used to understand, to analyzing that or seeing that. So I need to unfold it, but not to unfold the complexity, but to unfold the opportunity because here are, you know, they will gain value and thereby increase value uh, their, their value as a company. They will, they will, this country will, blah, blah, blah. So the investors are actually looking into a multiple value asset rather than just you as a company, which is what they're used to, right? So I guess that's also a change that you need to help them understand. Exactly. Because I think a startup, like impact a startup, is always put into this box of, okay, they do very good things for the, uh, I don't know, environment. So the investors say, okay, they're good. To, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever that means. Uh, they give us some numbers. You know, we saw them. They were good. But then you have then you have to really tell them about the products. So we learned that, that we were like, when we talked to the investors, we always went with the products, with the technology. We said, like, look, this is what we do. And as it happens, we are helping the nature. So everything started actually from here to help the environment. Uh, but of course, we have very good business. So... So th for them, it was, and many of them, they actually told us that this is kind of the first time that they are starting to see startups, that they can really create a lot of turnover and value uh, doing good things. So they were really surprised about the fact that you can actually do very important things for the, you know, in our case, in a marine ecosystem while making a very good profitable business. And we said that, yeah, and that's a bit of a problem because they didn't trust that this can be true, that we are lying and uh, or miscalculating or misunderstanding or something. But uh, but it, I, I think it's um, it's also a, a new thing for the many of the investors that, that this can happen. Like, oh my gosh, you know, this can be profitable. <laughs> yeah, but we're up against this very, very long almost endless string of cases where if it's greener, it's more costly or it's less good, it's lower quality or, and that's because it's done wrongly. And also sometimes I believe simply because we allow it to be more expensive. So we expect it to be 10% more expensive Then I bet you, you will be right because it's you need to think more to get it below that. <laughs> uh, so. So we so people are used to it. So we we need to, and that's a, I guess back to the mindset part. It's really the understanding that, of course, it's possible, but it requires a, another level of imagination and creativity, and we got to put things together in a different way. 
But when we do that, then you have this completely different set of assets connected to the investment. Absolutely. And this is a very interesting discussion. That could be another podcast <laughs> just to discuss the pricing of this green premium. Like how does that work and does that exist? And I think that it was something that when the the bioeconomy uh, kind of came about, that people started to see that as an amazing business opportunity to earn more. So I think we made a mistake that we actually created the bioeconomy, a bit of a like a luxury thing that suddenly was like, but this is bio, so you have to pay more. Being that of commodities and whatever we were selling to consumers. And uh, and I think that's uh, that it went wrong because long time in Europe, we were thinking that every time you buy a bio whatever product, uh, it's more expensive and it needs to be more expensive, but it shouldn't be that way. And that's the that's really the key in this process design that you have to be able to design a process that is actually uh, competitive with the existing oil-based um, processes today, or cheaper, or cheaper. And that's something that we always have to think. And then also the products you are producing. That's that's really important to look at that part because you have, let's say, more valuable products. So the biorefinery, the beauty is that the value creation happens that you can have more like commodities, and then you can add its value products. And this is how the business model works. And um, and that's very, very important because you have to be able to bring the functionality into the market. So people don't want to use chemicals in they, whatever products they're using at home. So that means that the stuff you put in, in order to have very short ingredient list, they need to be highly functional. And this is how we think at Oritin Bausen is that we don't sell additives, we sell functionality and efficacy. And that's like very, very important that people start to understand this. It doesn't mean that when you have chemicals first that they are bad and secondly you have a lot of them. You can have very little and only few. But that takes time to develop these products in that sense. And I think it's, it's a good uh, sort of, perhaps a good way to sort of come to a bit of an end here because there's a lot of interesting stuff and we could definitely uh, have this as a five-hour podcast but i think in the interest of the listeners time as well um but i think you have a really crucial point there really on again it's onto the results side it's when you do this you have a different kind of result than compared to doing the regular way and that's the communication really it's about making people see and understand that and of course believe in it uh, and then you have the whole system behind it to build it and make sure that it, it works. But uh, but really interesting, and and I'm glad to, to hear how you sort of came through that journey and now today are capable of explaining and telling this in a completely different way, uh, a lot more successful because now you have people with you. <laughs> you have a business today. Um, but I'd like to end with sort of a bigger picture question, and that is uh, in order for us to transition our societies that we, you know, without a doubt need. What role do you think business in general plays in making this green transition happen? Huge, crucial role. I don't want to say that it's the only type of uh, way of making the change, but it's massive. Like if you think all the big brand owners and, and companies behind them, 
they are so big that we don't even understand. They actually, you know, they decide what we eat, what we buy, how we consume and what we consume. And that's something that is always good to keep in mind that there are like, you know, handful of these companies in this world and, you know, they have the power. So I'm always saying that, and people tell me that, okay, but you are such a small player, startup from Finland, so selling ingredients like, do you really think that you will have an impact? And I always say, of course we will. It just takes time. And now we are in the middle of this transition that we can see that there is such a huge pressure for these big dudes to change. So consumers are nagging. They go and say, like, I want to have this and I want to have that. And they need to change. So I think the time is now. And the business plays a very crucial role because end of the day, the business is something that... that um, is producing things for each other, right? So so that's why I think business is in a very crucial role and it needs to happen like what we discussed earlier, that it needs to happen at scale. So everything, if you look at the traditional industry, it has happened at scale and it can do a lot of bad things when it happens at scale. But now we have an opportunity to do good things at scale. So let's do it, I would say. Mario, that's the best place to end. I'll definitely <laughs> stop us here. And thank you so much for sharing your uh, insights uh, into your uh, really, really interesting uh, journey and the learnings you have had. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. Um, so, so thank you so much for your time. If people want to connect with you, uh, how do they do that best? Yeah, please visit our website, originbiocean.com, and then you will find our details there to send us email, give us a call. So we are very happy to happy to talk to you. Great. Uh, well, I could definitely uh, recommend uh, jumping on that website. There are lots of interesting stuff, and it's also very beautifully made. So what's not to like? All right. So, Marius, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you ever so much. You've listened to Green Business with Impact. You can get more insight on how to create circular business on bwimpact.com. If you want to get in touch, you are very welcome to connect with Jasper on LinkedIn. Just type in Jasper Steinhausen. If you have questions, comments or suggestions for future podcast episodes, please contact Jasper, J-S, at bwimpact.com dot com